Hey guys, welcome to The Gunshot with me, Johnny. We were lucky enough to be joined this morning by Dan Reynolds from Basque and Nick Horton, the legendary wildfowler, as you know him. The original plan for Dan was to come in and talk about the general licenses, but seeing as there's not been any real updates, we had a very quick period talking about that, what's going to happen, what Basque would like to happen in the future, and then we went down the rabbit hole of modern shooting, some of Basque's opinions, and a great conversation between us about a lot of modern conservation issues. Guys, enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to The Gunshot with me, Johnny, and today we are joined with two Basque representatives, I suppose we could say. Uh, well, a Basque wildfowling representative in Nick Horton himself and Dan Reynolds, who is the head of Basque England? Director for England. There you yeah, go. So. Uh, please introduce yourself. Yeah, Dan Reynolds, I'm Director of England for BASC, uh, based down in the South East region, so uh, I also head up the South East team here, so providing our sort of frontline member services. Um, across the southeast of England. Okay. And we're obviously here today to talk about general license and Basque's point of view on this and where we should go and a very small amount on what has happened, which we'll start with, although everyone hopefully by now is vaguely up to date with yeah. that. Um, so yeah, let's let's crack on with that. What what happened from a Basque perspective? Because everyone's very angry at Basque. I think a lot of people have got over that, but everyone was very angry at Basque. Yeah, I think there was a certain amount of anger um, displayed towards us and I think that was largely out of frustration at what had happened um, uh, I mean ultimately all the shooting organisations were in the same boat in effect um, we had had assurances from Natural England that uh, the challenge from Wild Justice over the general licences um, yes they were going to um, have regard to it but actually nothing would happen um, no knee-jerk reaction would happen until um, they'd done a full review of licenses which was already planned for later part of this year um, and once that review had happened they would obviously then look to make any necessary changes from a legal standpoint. Lo and behold uh, we were informed as the rest of the country were informed by a press release from Natural England which told us that the initial general licenses 040506 had been revoked and we could no longer rely on them um, and basically not a lot of other information other than that. Uh, Skip forward a few weeks, Natural England have released three new general licences, but they are for specific circumstances and specific species, um, which uh, leaves countless situations that people will need for land management purposes, which they can no longer rely on unless they apply for an individual licence. Um, and we've got a little bit of a, a sort of a uh, an odd situation whereby some people seem to have received right, lot, individual licences fairly quickly, and others. Um, have not received them at all, uh, depending on the purpose and what they need to do it for. So that's kind of where we are at the moment. Um, uh, Natural England's uh, power to issue licences was removed by Michael Gove, who's Secretary of State for um, Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. Uh, he has revoked those powers and uh, DEFRA have done a call for evidence, of which um, BASC and the other shooting organisations um, required or asked their members to submit evidence to DEFRA and basically evidence about uh, how they were utilising the general licence, what the benefits were, what the impacts were of the loss of the general licences um, that had been revoked. Um, and we also did our own survey of our members, so we surveyed our members, we asked them to provide us with information about how it affected them, so we submitted an organisational response um, and we had somewhere near 30,000 people. And you were happy that with that response level? Um, I think in the time scale that we had, yes, it was a it was a good response level. I mean, uh, the call for evidence <coughs> lasted approximately a week, um, and Defra have now had that evidence for a week. Um, where we are up to today is that Natural England are in front of the EFRA, which is the Environment, Food, Rural Affairs um, Select Committee, um, at quarter to three, isn't it? Yep, yeah, answering questions as to why we got into this situation, 
what were the alternatives, who knew what, when, where and why, which was something that BASE and the other organisations called for um, to know who had made the decisions. Um, what would we like to see happen? We would like to see the immediate reinstatement of GL040506. Um, we would like to see then a proper review conducted, which was the planned review that was meant to take part at the end of this year. Um, that will allow people who have got to undertake necessary control to continue to do that without the ambiguity which the new general licences present, without having to wait for individual licences to be returned and wondering whether you can rely on a section for defence. Um, and again, that is leaves you know a lot of unanswered questions for people who need to rely on these licences. And we have people who are undertaking land management practices, you know, ultimately for crop protection, protection of livestock, um, and for protection of flora and fauna, preservation of public health and safety. And there are people up and going in the country with um, real skin in the game, I guess, in terms of doing this work yeah. that can't do it. Um, so that's where we are. It's a real mess. We are hoping that. Um, DEFRA will make an announcement very shortly in terms of either what they plan to do to get us back into a near normal situation and allow people to carry on their land management practices, um, or at least give us an outline of where they are going with this. Um, but watch this space. The evidence has been in for a week. Um, you know, I don't know from DEFRA how many responses they had from the public at large. Um, but certainly our response from the organisation went in with a good deal of evidence looking at all the situations and the impact that this was having. And I mean, some of the headline figures, just in the time that GLO 40506 had been revoked um, during that period of about three weeks, I think, between revocation and the call for evidence, people were estimating a loss, the median loss was about £1,200 wow. per, per individual. So um, times that up by almost 30,000 people that responded. That is a significant financial loss. And that financial loss is based off of what in particular? Um, damage to crops, damage to um, uh, livestock foodstuffs, damage to livestock. Um, it might be loss of earnings, it might be a pest control business, yeah. for example. So the financial impact, um, about £1,200 per person that responded just in a very, very short period of time. So, you know, you can see the massive impact that, that this has all had. Uh, so, so what is next? It's just a case of patient, a case of patience. One would have thought, yeah. Is it a case of patience? Um, we are still working really hard on this, as all the organisations are. And, you know, there's a there's a uh, sort of an aligned approach that we're taking on it. Um, and the work, from the perspective that I see it, is on several tiers. So there is still a lot of work going on, answering queries from our members. Um, I mean, we had over ten thousand inquiries in the initial wake of revocation of general licences because it's just utter confusion and chaos. Um, so answering the queries, answering questions, providing advice on the new general licences, on individual licence applications, um, people wanting to know where to go next, what, what is going to happen next, um, right up through to you know application of pressure on a political basis, be that through the Shoot Liaison Committee, which is um, all the organisations uh, together with um, NFU who have all got interest in this particular issue, and that's applying political pressure to try and um, generate a positive outcome in terms of the interest of land management, the interest of controlling these pest bird species. Um, we are hopeful that we will get a pragmatic, practical solution which allows us to return to a situation normal as possible, but um, given what's gone on, who knows? Okay. Uh, 
let's talk about GL31. And well, we'll talk about the, the three losses we've been given. What is Basque's view on them? Um, they are unworkable, realistically. Um, unworkable meaning what in this case? They are contradictory in places. They are too onerous. It's gold plating of the requirements. I'm not entirely sure that it addresses the issue of the first legal challenge which um, uh, Wild Justice proposed, which the onus of the general licence in terms of determining whether other methods of um, preventing damage or non-lethal methods of preventing damage um, are either tried and ineffective or considered ineffective still remains on the licence user. Yeah. That shouldn't be the case. Um, our derogation from the BERS Directive via the Wildlife and Countryside Act, actually it is the appropriate authority in this case was Natural England until powers are removed, they should be the ones determining whether these issues are uh, or, or non-lethal control methods are effective or not um, and that should then allow people to go on and undertake lethal control action as they Because there has been studies on non-lethal methods. Yeah there have been studies on non-lethal methods um, and I think the vast majority of them consider that you know at the landscape scale non-lethal methods are ineffective and when they are affected they're far too labor intensive yeah yeah well so they're impractical yeah. impractical ineffective um and all that you do if you are undertaking a non-lethal um disruption or um uh, you know scaring method is actually just displacing the problem because if they're not on one field of obviously right on the you know area of land that you're managing they will go somewhere else it might be onto some you know freshly shooting peas or whatever it might be you're displacing the problem you're moving it on um and actually that's probably the principle that we would like to see natural england take is that actually on a uh, there is an accepted point and there is scientific basis that these species are causing damage um be that to crops that's livestock. Like undeniable yeah yeah absolutely that it is happening let's face it why would people be employed as Gamekeepers, land managers. Why would people be out going and doing these things if damage wasn't occurring? I should say. You know, and there, there is an enjoyment factor. I mean, there's a, there's no point denying that. No, absolutely. Pigeon shooting is an enjoyable yeah. sport. I mean, yeah. maybe that's. I mean, we're not, you're not allowed to do it solely for enjoyment, as we're all aware, or never absolutely. have been. To be no, fair. no. Um, but it is a necessary evil a in itself. It, it's absolutely necessary, and you know, why would? So let's look at a term them a recreational pigeon shooter. Um, why would a farmer allow somebody onto his land with firearms unless there was a direct impact problem? So let's take wood pigeons for example. Somebody coming on to go shooting on your ground, um, if it wasn't necessary and didn't need to happen, would a landowner say, yeah, come on and come and use a firearm? The, the, the general licence wouldn't have been given to us in the first place if there wasn't an issue, right? So, so we need to look at it in terms of the accepted point around these species causing damage be that for the various reasons that previous general licences allowed us to undertake the control action. Um, and we need to look at uh, damage on a or non-lethal control methods at a landscape scale because they are ineffective at that scale. And we are talking about birds, species that operate at a landscape scale. You know, um, So some of the things you're sort of talking about the un unworkable pieces uh, of the new general licenses I think one of the recommendations in the livestock um, protection from carrying crows was to put your sheep and lambs in fields that didn't have crows in. Last time I checked they had wings and can fly so you know I, I think I get the angles that they're coming from. Bring them indoors, close the windows, Yeah, or, or, and hide from the world. Or, or, or sadly <clears throat> underlying all of this is is the apparent attitude of some of the prime movers 
which is don't breed the lambs in the first place. Rewilding. We'll move on to rewilding in a bit. Actually, no, let's talk about it right now. What's Baskerville rewilding? I don't think we have an organisational view on rewilding. Um, personal way. A personal view on rewilding. I don't think... So let's look at it at a UK perspective. If you're talking true rewilding... Proper rewilding, yeah. No uh, human interference or... Uh, how, how far back management. do you want to go in terms of wilderness? Yes, yeah. the Pleistocene. Dinosaurs. Yeah, lions and tigers. We Soul do front. not have the scale of land within the UK to undertake proper yeah. rewilding. And if you look at issues in other countries where they have undertaken true rewilding projects, albeit within um, large fenced uh, enclosures, um, I think it was the Netherlands, uh, there was a, a yes. large study, yeah, yeah. and the deer were starving to death. Mm. Um, uh, no top end predators, though. Precisely. And, so no, we, and, we and don't no management. Have, yeah, we don't have the ecosystems that support rewilding because we do not have uh, those large apex predators. And I think one of the principles that we really have got to look at, particularly when we look at the general license, so let's relate this back, is we live in the UK, in England, because let's look at the general licenses, in a entirely man-managed, yeah. sculpted, man-driven, mm. sculpted for the, for the agricultural For the last 10,000 years. Absolutely. Um, and that landscape requires intervention of man to manage it. Of course. And part of that intervention is managing predatory species, which actually things like corvids, crows, magpies, um, things like Canada geese have done very well because they are a generalist species, wood pigeon as well. They thrived, on off, thrived off agriculture, they thrived off um, urban sort of sprawl, they can adapt to the environments that we have created very well um, and probably less well than some of the species that they predate on. So for example, lapwing probably haven't adapted particularly they're well to... They're specialist, aren't they? They're a specialist uh, species. We are obviously doing things uh, across the land management piece to try and help and aid the recoveries of, of species like lapwing and curlew. But one of those things is not only providing the habitat, but it's also providing the predator control. And that predator control is um, mammal species, so stoats, foxes, weasels, those sorts of things. Um, but it is also the corvids. And absolutely got to be managed because we live in a, a man-made environment. You know, I think as a child of the 80s, farthing, we don't live in Farthingwood, all the animals don't get on together very nicely, um, and man has a, a duty to um, manage the landscape, manage the environment that we've created, and, and it is absolutely necessary and integral to that landscape. So going back to the rewilding piece, because we've created that landscape, I personally don't see in the UK gone. how that we can do it. Um, you know, look at perhaps continental North America, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they have like the size of Cornwall and yeah, just go, we're not going there anymore. Precisely. Um, Yellowstone is 1,750 square miles. <laughs> yeah. It's vast, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and so the other piece is that if you rewild an area, um, you know, uh, our population density is such that, and public access, recreational access to the countryside is such that you, you can't prohibit or remove that from areas and touches on the point that Nick made around um, sort of coastal access and uh, driving more people to coastal areas where we've got you know protected environments um, is that necessarily a useful thing from a nature conservation 
definitely it's not. But you've got to put people somewhere. People want to visit the countryside, and yeah. where do you send them? Yeah, exactly. You know, but but that, 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 that landscape is managed. Yeah. Oh yes, and I, 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 my personal view is that yes, it is. It, it's it's absolutely necessary to facilitate townies, for want of a better description, access to the countryside so that they begin to grasp what, what it is that turns on turns us on so much about the time that we spend in the countryside, very little of which is, is actually actively involved with, with shooting. But it's the kind of two-tier system that we have where, as pigeon shooters, we're being scrutinised in the way that we are. As, as wildfowlers, we're, we're under a completely different and much more powerful uh, microscope which as we touched upon before you've got this bizarre situation natural England on the one hand is encouraging coastal access L literally thousands of people to come and look at the birds on the shore which is which is wonderful but as a wildfowler if I go and sit on the shore and, and as you saw in the video that we did back in the season we sat there with loaded guns across our laps but didn't fire a shot from Natural England's standpoint, that would constitute a visit and would be one of a number of finite visits to the foreshore that we might be allowed to take. So they don't take a shot into comparison. No, it's just being there. Just being there. Yeah. Wow. So you, you, you've got, I mean, you can go bait digging. You can walk around on, in the harbour at, at low tide, dozens of people commercially digging bait. And you can imagine the, the huge areas that are denied access um, to the ducks and geese. But that doesn't come up on their on their on their radar because it's either too difficult or it's not it's not politi politically expedient to look at those other groups wildfowlers are a small minority and they've got guns and we can so that's kind of my perhaps slightly jaundiced view of, of where we are with what is effectively um, a, a government quango and whilst we're talking on quangos wasn't David Cameron supposed to have a bonfire of the Quangos some years ago? And I'm just wondering why Natural England is still there. It'd be interesting to see whether this current review finds that it is actually still fit for purpose. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, uh, just to, if, if you'll permit me, you, you introduced me um, at the start as... Um, my connection with wildfowling. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a long, a long-standing member of BASC, but I'll make it plain that I am not an official representative of of Basque. Um, it has to be said that Basque has has its faults. It's it, like any organisation that's got people in it. You know, some bits work better than others. It has dropped some clangers in the past, but at the end of the day, it is our main bulwark of defence against the, the likes of this. Um, in tandem with other uh, various shooting organisations, some of which have got a slightly different agenda. But, but in, in those terms, we're all broadly travelling in the same direction. Um, for a moment, just look at kind of what happened um, when the poo hit the circulatory system with this. If I take a step back, because of my age and my connection with wildfowling, I've I've done a lot of f fighting uh, for shooting. Some of the major ones that spring to mind: the '76 uh, Green Paper on on firearms, which would have seen the disappearance of semi-automatic shotguns and a whole lot of other stuff. 
um, the 81 Wildlife and Countryside Act, which could have gone really badly for for the shooting and in particular the wildfowling community. And because I'm a wildfowler, we've been fighting countless skirmishes with primarily Natural England um, over the whole consent issue, disturbance and a whole raft of other of other Why stuff. Why is that? Is that uh, just because wildfowling is touchy? Because it's... I, I, well, I think my personal opinion is it's because they can. It's you. You have this. Looks like they're doing something for conservation. Yeah, well, it looks like they're. It looks like they're earning their pay. It looks like they're doing something for conservation. When, when I doubt the reality of it. All the all the the surveys in respect of disturbance in particular have shown that that shooting is almost at the bottom of a whole long list of disturbing factors. Everyone would have thought the M twenty seven had quite a well, yes, the, a bearing on. Yes, but I mean that that's historical. Sadly, that was that was built before a lot of this came into play. But the fact is that we seem to be operating at a number of different levels. Um, people with, with dogs, push bikes, binoculars, cameras, yeah, come around the shore and you, nothing that you do causes disturbance. One of you damn wildfowlers with a gun sitting there trying to hide from the birds so that, so that you're absolutely invisible, that's bad, and we are, we're gonna try and screw you to the floor. We're actually gonna try and stop you doing it. So, just to digress further. Um, uh, my main suite of experience, if you like, lies in, in, in fighting these, these things. And, and one of the things that you learn is that there are some, the, the, the need to consider strategies, but there's also the need to muster all the resources that you have available. There's no point in fighting with one hand tied, tied behind your back. And when you look at, and I'll use Facebook as an example here, simply because of my age, Facebook is, is the online media medium that I'm most familiar with. I appreciate that there are many others. Um, again, I pick Facebook because it's, it is for dinosaurs like me, who are very, very often older people. He's got an Instagram neck. Well, okay, perhaps I might, but most of the other people, not all, but many of the people on Facebook are older people and they are the people who've got the purchasing power and I'll come on to that in, in, in a second. But what I couldn't help but notice was the number of people who criticised Basque. Overwhelming criticism of Basque by people who, when you simply, when you pinned them down for a moment, you know, had a quick uh, uh, written exchange, you know, where's the evidence of what you're saying? They can't produce it. It's become endemic in, in some quarters to, uh, to, to, uh, to basically to bite the hand that feeds you and, and, and have a good old dig at Basque because uh, basically because I don't understand what's going on and it just seems to be a good idea to, you know, to, to, to savage BASC, not to actually look at what the problem is and direct that energy towards resolving the issue. So that's, that's, that's kind of one of my um, uh, points of view. There's, I mean, the, the psychology of things like Facebook is, is fascinating. Um, you have anonymity, invisibility, no physical presence. You can say what you want. You can become an instant expert on on, on something. And have someone um, listen to. And and and, and no one and, and no one ever ever challenges you. So really, what I would say is, if you're thinking about criticising Basque, and there may well be an occasion when it's necessary. But instead of doing what people so often do, and only this morning when I looked at Facebook, page upon page, 
on on some of the bigger pigeon shooting Facebooks, uh, Facebook pages, many of which have got over 30,000 members, people saying, what's, what's happening with the general licence? And a load of other people chip in with the biggest load of drivel that you've ever read. It's utterly inaccurate. You see the same with, with guns. My favourite duck calling. There's another story. But my advice to them is, it's great to be able to communicate, but if you want information, go to the Basque website, Google it. All of the big organisations have oh, dedicated oh, oh, pages on their websites now. Abs- absolutely. And we're the first people to do it, which actually yes. is all fact, it's all truth. Yeah. There's no sifting through what my mate Bob said. Exactly. Uh, and you can rely on that pretty yes. much, 100%. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, and it's really just a question of, of, of trying to find ways because the, what we're experiencing now is going to happen more and more frequently unless the political landscape uh, at a landscape scale changes for some reason or another. So, so these are skirmishes, you know, set pieces, out and out pitch battles that are going to happen more often. We need to be looking at ways to direct our troops to face the, the, to face the enemy and fight the enemy and not fight amongst themselves. Do you see this as a fight? Oh, I, I, I undoubtedly do, because we're up against an implacable enemy. Whatever else lies behind this, the people who've, who've generated this situation, they want to see shooting stopped. So you think that their response was just a appeasement, if you like? Sorry, whose response? Uh, something like wild justice. Their, their response is they don't want to see it stopped, they just want to see more evidence, more regulation. But if you, if you think about... Uh, as as Dan said earlier, if you think about the overall picture and you sort of put that next to what to their grasp of the situation or their interpretation of the situation, there, there, is, a, there is a failure to mesh. The reality is that these general licenses should be as, as, da, as Dan has described. The fact that they take another view suggests that they have another agenda. Always. And, and, and that agenda is to stop shooting. They, they, they've done away with fox hunting, shooting is next. If you read the um, uh, the uh, uh, online um, manifestos, if you like, of many of these groups, and it's a very thinly veiled, but what it is essentially saying is, we want to stop people shooting. We, we don't. I mean, there's no, there's nothing hidden in there that they would like to see the stop, but the the end of driven game shooting or oh, dri- released pheasants. Uh, exactly. I think that was quite blatant. What they yeah, I mean, the, the wild justice uh, response to. The difficult for evidence, yeah. for example, um, touches on a number of sort of key things that they feel there isn't justification for, um, or evidence, or evidence. So, so it's an argument of ignorance because basically what they're saying is there is plenty of evidence. Just w- look in the right we place. are we are unaware of any evidence of. Well, just because you're unaware of any evidence that jackdaws predate songbirds' nests, um, it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And I, you know, I can go and talk to, and I could call three or four gamekeepers now and say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're managing a wild bird sheep. Can you tell me what predates your grey partridge nest? What's predating the lapwing nest? What is predating the um, skylark nest? And they will say, well, it's foxes, it's stoats, it's weasels, it's corvids, it's carrion crows, it's rooks, it's jackdaws, it's jays. They are predating. So there is the evidence. It might not be written in a scientific paper, but that is absolutely evidence. Do you think that the onus should be on shooters to self-regulate more, to keep proper records of what we take and why we take it, and 
given the what what we've boiled down to now, do you feel like it would be wise in the future for us to to have a system, a self-regulated system we put so, in place? So uh, there's a couple of interesting points on that, and I think probably in and around the pest species point, I don't think there is a is a need to. And the reason I don't think there is a need to is that these species are monitored on a population level, and let's look at the RSPB uh, system for scoring their conservation status. So things like a wood pigeon, green, um, carrying crow, green, which means they are of least concern. Plenty of them. They are of least concern. And actually, if you look at the BTO, which is British Trust for Ornithology, population trends, the majority of those pest species are either on a sort of exponential increase or are on a stable platform. And that is in a response to agriculture, control, those sorts of things. But they're not in a, a reduction. Um, the interesting piece about bag returns is that actually there is a system that bag returns for species might allow us to better manage better quarry present, species. Better present evidence. Better back. present evidence. So if we are thinking about um, species that might be amber listed, for example, which are a quarry species that we might want to Such um, as. shoot. Uh, so something that's in decline, like uh, I think widgeon is one of the things that they're looking mm -hmm. at, they're in decline, and that's not because of shooting. harvesting through shooting, that is because of um, impacts in their breeding grounds, uh, loss of habitat, and also predation by raccoon dog um, in a lot of cases. So there are impacts going on there, but actually the adaptive harvest management piece allows you to look at the population level and look at the trends in populations in terms of what their breeding success was, and then devise a model on what you can harvest out of that population so that you have a sustainable um you're just you're just harvesting a sustainable surplus yeah. in effect yeah. it is a tried tested and very effective system for managing populations um and actually the advantage uh that it brings in terms of quarry species is that one it preserves quarry species in long-term trend secondly it may allow further species to be added to a quarry list because it shows how conscientious we are and thirdly and probably most importantly um, it is then getting the interests of the shooting community um, and again these are people with skin in the game with conservation credentials that are delivering work they are managing habitat they are creating ponds they are managing coastal estuaries they are putting out um, nesting tubes for native uh, breeding mallard things like gadwall that breed here um you know they are invested in the wildlife habitat trust stamp um which is funding work on the flyway scale so on the migratory scale for things like widgeon it is helping to improve uh breeding habitat for widgeon so because there is a vested interest because they can hunt and harvest them they are willing to put their hand in their pocket to fund conservation work um, and you only have to look at the model of ducks unlimited in america to see absolutely how successful that model yeah. can be so i think there are i guess in the, sh the short answer is general licenses no because we're dealing with species that are of least conservation concern but actually when we are dealing with species that are of more um conservation concern because of issues which aren't associated with hunting actually a bag return model which allows us to look at an adaptive harvest management of that species yeah. would be a, a useful tool going forward. Um, <clears throat> and certainly bag returns are happening through wildfowling clubs, through the Crown Foreshore. Um, 
you know, uh, GWCT have a bag return system. BASC has um, a bag return system which any member can partake in, not just the clubs that return in their crank for sure bag returns. Um, and we have also got, uh, I suppose, the other powerful thing in terms of a conservation piece that shooters have is that we do not operate just over reserves, RSPB reserve, Wildfire Wetland Trust reserve, local natural nature um, trust reserve. We operate over public, um, not public, we operate over private land. So actually we have access to a whole swathe of environment that a lot of these conservation organisations don't have access to. Um, and what is very powerful, so something like the Bass Green Shoots mapping tool, it allows people to record what they have seen, um, not just what they have bagged. So, uh, and where members are happy for us to share that, we will share that with the Biodiversity Network, which is a big gateway which allows us to look at how, you know, species populations, species um, uh, geographic sort of spread is mm. changing over time. So it's a really powerful tool. So there's a whole raft of stuff that people who shoot are doing for conservation because they have a vested interest um, in the quarry species. I, I would concur with that entirely. Um, again, as a wildfowler, and just because, because it happens so, uh, our club was the first club in the country back in 1979 that started to operate um, a bag return and a bag limit system. All, all of the original, all of the original work w was done uh, at Bass by John Harradine, but it was all initially based upon work that we did. We, we kind of made it up as we went along, and he, God bless him significantly refined it but um, as a principle that's that's one that I have no issue with but again as Dan said not to include species like wood pigeon in particular or, or crows. Okay so you see that as a a bag limit a daily limit or you see that as a tag system sort of ongoing on the on your it, amber listed species? It, it there are there are many and, and and various ways of doing this one of the one of the things that we would have to um, avoid, because this is Pandora's box, once you open it, you can't close it again. Um, let's take a, a, a particular species, a duck species at the moment, pintail. Now, the, the pintail is the second most common duck in the world behind the mallard. They have a massive geographical range and they're extremely common. Except that in this country, they're not quite as common as, as widgeon. So numerically their numbers do fluctuate, they they, 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 they move from one area to another. They're so nationally or internationally? Uh, one, both nationally and internationally. Okay. And the, the, what I, the, the observation I was going to make is that if we look at the monthly wildfowl counts, one year, the, the I don't know, let's we'll say November, the November count for pintail was something like 22. A week before that count, and again, curiously enough, a week after, I saw a, f a flight of pintail that was over 200 birds. Now, they had simply been moving around the local area, be bearing in mind that they don't have the same, you know, imaginary geographical uh, limitations that we do. They, they go wherever they want, wherever the, wherever the food and the habitat is. And they just moved a few miles down the coast, and then a short while later they came back again. But very often, much of the data upon which these assumptions are based is in itself not the sort of system that you really need to be basing some of these 
um, slightly more um, complex management tools upon. The whole thing really needs to go away and be re rewritten because otherwise we, we run the risk of um, suffering from um, the, the fact that the other side, be they whomsoever, simply can't be bothered to, um, to, to do the science properly. Uh, so let's kind of take some a bit of a uh, tangent here. How much, given that it would be Natural England who decide that, or is that a definite well, issue? I mean, because you're talking about oh, something well. that's theoretical, you, you'd have to you'd have to argue who would be doing no, it. No, I mean, who currently sort of manages all of that data? Uh, well, the, the which data are we talking uh, about? All the, the, counts, the, the counts, the numbers, the, the, the population the, the, fluctuations, the, or is that just sat somewhere? The, the, the counts end up with the BTO, the British Trust for Ornithology, okay. which is a which is a reasonably um, impartial uh, body. It's an independent body, um, and it looks at the at the scientific side, or most of the scientific side, um, of bird numbers. Um, they've been counting in, if you take Langston Harbour um, as an example, it's counted on the, the Saturday nearest the middle of the month on which there is a high tide. So the, the conditions under which they're counting month on month are pretty much the same. Until comparatively recently, Langston was actually quite, was almost unique in that some of the counters, the, the people involved, had actually been doing this since the, the system started in the 1950s. Wow. So counting is a, is, is, a, is a science, I won't bore you too much with the detail, but because it was done by the same people, th there was a great degree of stability, if you like. With, consistency, with, Consistency, thank you, um, within those numbers. There have been a couple of occasions when the parameters for counting those birds <coughs> have actually been changed. So what that then means is because you because you, you move the goalposts, it means that all the, the work that you've done before is now no longer relevant because it was counted under a different set of, of, of circumstances. And it's, and it's getting right the system, which, I mean, it wouldn't be impossible, but it would need you could i could just imagine it as being another huge battleground for the likes of natural england to gold plate it beyond you know beyond common sense so that we'd end up with with a system that just got you nowhere um, th th there's a lot of common sense that you could apply to that which would make it workable okay. how much influence does basque have on natural england so this is an interesting uh, piece. In terms of the wildfowling, we have worked very closely with them. We've had a partnership agreement with them, although you know we publicly question the, the validity of a partnership agreement when they can't tell us about something like the general licenses happening. Um, so we've worked very closely with Natural England, largely in relation to wildfowling interests, and okay. that is because of the consenting of um, wildfowling activity and actually trying to implement a better system for consenting which um, doesn't uh, gold plate the legal requirements that are put in place. So we've worked very closely with them. So there is a degree of influence on those sorts of things. I would like to think, and we've been, along with the other shooting organisations, been sort of really closely keyed into, after the news on general licences broke, we, we were there with Natural England, um, offering to support, offering to give advice, offering to um, help them shape these general licences that came out to make sure that they were fit for purpose. Yeah. Um, did they 
take us up on those offers? I think the answer would be no. And you know, the proof of what we came out with was three, what I would suggest are rushed general licences, which aren't fit for purpose. Um, and had they listened to BASC, the other shooting organisations, or even you know the likes of the NFU, um, that have got interest in these things, and and from a practical user perspective, have functioned under the previous general licences, um, we may have been in a better situation. Um, I think, unfortunately, uh, the legal uh, challenge from Wild Justice has been met with a knee-jerk reaction from Natural England, probably on the advice of lawyers, um, uh, and it's ended up in a considerably chaotic situation. And I'm not sure, frankly, whether they knew which way to turn in terms of what they are going to do next. And that's probably reflected in uh, Michael Gove um, temporarily removing their powers for issuing of general licences. Um, where do we go in the future? Obviously, we want to be absolutely keyed into the review of general licences, which is going to happen. Um, we submitted a 48-page uh, evidence base to the call for evidence yeah. from, from DEFRA, um, and we set out a number of things in there in terms of their need to recognise uh, that species are causing damage, need to recognise that things operate at a landscape scale. And Plastic also, is obviously a, one of the major stakeholders in this, yeah. A absolutely. I mean, uh, 155,000 members, um, we represent a good portion of the shooting community and a good portion of our members are absolutely engaged in doing stuff under the general licences. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the big things that we need to ensure is that in the future, that should any changes be required to the general licences, there is a a statutory timescale, a statutory notice period. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? So they actually tell us about it. Um, and then the other sort of touching on the piece of Natural England, and one of the things that we have also challenged them on is that they are a regulator and they have to call something called the regulator's code um, and we have submitted to them I think about two and a half sides of A4 of where they have failed in reaching these decisions <coughs> where they have failed to abide by the regulator's code. Um, not particularly great for an organisation whose job is regulation. And, and, and it does, it kind of it begs the, the, the political question that if you look at the land mass of the UK, something like one percent of the land mass is nature reserves, which is which is the, the various large conservation conservation groups. That's that's their management experience. Out of the, if you were to say that seventy percent of the remaining land mass was was countryside, for one of a simple description, and correct me if I get this vastly wrong, but probably a, a good almost all of that has some form of shooting influence over it, be it, be it pigeon shooting, game shooting, or what have you. So three quarters of UK landmass. Yes, and I, wow. I, what I can, what I can, what I, what I can never quite get my hand round, my head round, with, uh, and particularly with a with a political situation as we find it at the moment, that people who have so much, who so little practical experience of actual land management and no practical experience of shooting have such a loud voice in deciding what we do. So there's a very interesting question there. Obviously, as shooters, we're big stakeholders. 
how do they have any say when they don't actually or, or how does an anti-shooting person get a voice on a subject like this well it's, how do they count as a stakeholder it, it's that's a very good question a, a lot of it is down to the, the, the way that they fight it, it it's a, a, an analogy might be the Americans in Vietnam the the, 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 the massive uh, American military machine was was beaten by a, 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 a group of, of jungle guerrillas essentially and, and for much of the Vietnam War who were fighting asymmetric warfare in, in exactly the same way as you as you see it in um, uh, in Afghanistan. And again, I'll just take another example. The, the American Navy, huge Navy, lots of old-fashioned battleships. You know, you wouldn't want to, um, to to come up against that. But what's the point of all of that if you're you're fighting uh, a, a group of, of of blokes, you know, armed with improvised explosive devices and AK-47s in in the back of beyond in the desert? It, it it's a question of of, of how we marshal our resources because we, we we could steamroll these people into oblivion if we got our act together do you think the average shooter should arm himself with more facts or well, is that i think i think, think we're ill prepared for their their emotive argument with a lack of science based on our side because on an emotive scale they're always going to win but again there are elements of the emotive side of it which which they would probably win um but that begs the question of fighting the battle on your own terms don't get into the the emotive arguments if you can possibly avoid it you know and if you're not going to win a fight look look at the uh, you, you you need to take a a look at the art of war by sun tzu you know writ, written 850 years b before christ but it but it absolutely details everything about uh, about how to uh, in, engage with an enemy and it, and it works at a political level as well as uh, as at a combat level um, on the street and we we don't always fight hard and going right back to the beginning of this discussion we were, we were looking at the fractures within our own uh, our own ranks the, the, the fact that a lot of our own ranks even though they're heavily immersed in the sport side of it are actually facing the wrong direction and fighting the wrong people that we, we need to look at, at ways to, to, to get those people on the stream um, and pointing towards the opposition. And it, it might be an opportune moment because you've given me free reign to, to, <laughs> to, to, to rant. This is, this is the gun trade news. Um, and the, uh, the, the article on the front page is, says it's a license to fail and it's a detail of, of what we've been talking about. If you look on, online, and again, I'm going to confine my experience here to, to, to Facebook, you have a situation where throughout this, all of the major distributors, be they of guns, shooting equipment of all sorts, have continued to put their adverts on online. I'm, I'm going to try not to mention any the, the, the names of any of, of these, anyone, of these I, don't, I do not wish to uh, uh, upset anybody what I did do was I actually uh, asked and, and got a response much to my surprise for which I'm very grateful to one of these very large concerns about why bearing in mind the fact that most of the large um, uh, purveyors have 
significant online capacity. They very, now very large media teams, they, or at least media teams, which is they, most have, they have a media team. They have people, mostly young lads or, or girls, who who fiddle around on the internet all day long in order to promote their um, uh, their, their 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 sales. I'm sorry if you work in that um, environment. I don't wish to disparage it. It's very important. However, what nobody did within the trade that I can find, with one notable exception, which was David Thompson from Ely, and if you've noticed it, David's been all over the uh, the, the, the Facebook, Facebook in particular the, the, the pigeon shooting pages, doing this, exhorting people to take part in this through BASC or through the the other shooting organisations in part in taking part in the surveys, to join the associations. Nobody is suggesting that the gun trade should go off on a tangent and fight this battle on its own. But it's got the weaponry, it's got, it's got direct contact ability at no expense other than diverting someone for 10 minutes away from selling widgets to, to actually suggesting to people that you might like to do this like you know, to take part in this survey to help protect your own future because all of these people, everybody involved in this, if this goes sideways, they will notice the the the, the drop in sales of whatever it is that they sell because of the number of people who simply can't be bothered to uh, to continue with pigeon shooting, and and it and it strikes me that we have another one of these marvelous resources at our disposal simply for the want of getting it engaged and facing towards the enemy and firing you really feel this, like you see this oh, as a massive battle don't you? I, I do I, I, I absolutely do this, this is not a game um, uh, you've only got to look at, at, at some of the um, uh, of the standpoints of various people. Um, here, here's an example. I don't think I'll be treading on any, any toes with this one. Chris Packham, who has unfettered access to the BBC, when this started, some idiot hung a couple of dead crows on his front garden fence. Um, and, and allegedly, somebody made uh, a, 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 a stupid, threatening um, telephone call to him. At the time that I was first aware of that was on telly when he kind of sheepishly said, well, I haven't actually told the police about this yet. Um, and, and, when you, and when you saw the, um, the handwriting of a letter that he's alleged to have received against something that somebody dug up online, which just happened to have his handwriting on a, on a sign, there, there were remarkable similarities, which begs the, the obvious question. But... At some point, somebody said to him, "You're, you're being threatened in this way, and it's and, and you you are suggesting that it's awful that it shouldn't be allowed. The people are doing that are are animals. Do you support the farmers who've been subjected to similar and worse treatment who've taken part in the badger cull in the West Country?" for the members of the fox hunting community who were and still are subjected to this kind of abuse on a daily basis. And and did he? Uh, no, he didn't. And Nick Basque tweeted a response to him, didn't they? Rather proof. Yeah, I mean... Uh, do you support the that, that uh, was in relation, destruction of game farms? Yeah, in relation to um, alleged criminal, da criminal damage when somebody hung the um, crows or rocks... And glued his fence lock shut. On his, on his fence. Um, and we said to him, well... Yeah, we absolutely condemn any illegal activity, but we would call on you to also condemn the activity that um, 
others are undertaking, destroying rearing fields, rearing pens, releasing pheasants, um, you know, destined for sort of rearing purposes, out into the environment, and also intimidating the people that are operating those things. Um, there was no response to that. And there's an, there's an interesting piece, I think, in all of this. Um, and it's really disappointing that the, uh, the threats or alleged threats occurred, because if you looked at much of the tabloid media when this first broke, <coughs> the messages, the key messages about how the revocation of general licences was impacting everybody on a daily basis, and some of the sensational pieces which, you know, it was going on. You know, usually on the side in a field giving birth to a lamb, having their eyes pecked out yeah. because they can't move, Karen Crow's doing that, the lamb coming out and then having its eyes and tongues pecked out. Yeah, the tabloids. The tabloids picked up on it, but it happens, and that was showing people. And people said, "We had okay, everything on our side that's for a very short awful. period of time. We had everything on our side." Um, unfortunately, and, and they absolutely knew that. They absolutely knew that. Um, he managed in one fell swoop, which was a uh, Good Morning Britain interview, which in fact I was due to be part of in terms of a live debate. We got binned off by the producers last minute, something to do with him signing an exclusivity deal with the Daily Mirror. Um, so we were prevented from debating that piece, which would have been brilliant. Would because have been very interesting. They, 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 while Justice, Chris Packham, um, could see there was an overwhelming tide of public opinion. What he used that interview to do was reframe the debate. Yes. Was away from, do you know what, actually... Back to the emotive. Back to the emotive of, um, let's move this away from the issue that we're talking about, which is the wild justice legal challenge, which um, uh, they would say, well, we never asked for a revocation of general license, we only asked for the review. I'm afraid that's a little bit like throwing a stone at a window and then saying, well, don't blame me because the glass, glass broke. I, mean, I was expecting it to make a noise. Yeah, you know, that was a, a likely consequence. If they had any um, uh, sort of real trust in their legal challenge, they could have deemed that that might be an outcome. Um, and say they didn't want it to happen, well, okay, fine. Um, but he used that interview to reframe the debate away from talking about this general licence issue to saying, aren't the people who inhabit the countryside and are therefore involved with this general licence issue nasty, horrible people because they are sending death threats? Um, he's done it recently again whereby uh, he was due to partake in an event called Dogs to Bull Down on the South Coast um, and use that as well to say, aren't these people nasty to me, I now can't go um, and take part in this event. So if people are doing that, I mean, absolutely stop, because it does us as a, um, uh, as a community of people who, are, who shoot, who manage the countryside. 99.9% of our law-abiding yes. human beings and, and seriously vetted by the police yeah. yeah you know one of one of the most law-abiding sections of the community yeah. and yet they manage to demonize us at every turn yeah i mean so it's 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 interesting i think there's a um if we look at chris packham i personally don't deem him to be a conservationist he is a broadcaster he's a, he's a presenter opportunist he is he's a naturalist he presents on natural history I don't deem him to be a conservationist. Um, I deem the countless ranks of guys and girls up and down the country who are managing estates, who are gamekeepers, who are gillies, yes. who are practically skin in the game, delivering conservation work, preservation of flora and fauna. 
those are the guys doing the Whether conservation that is piece. a byproduct of game shooting or as a direct choice that they make. Absolutely. Um, and are also, and let's not forget, this is providing sort of services for the public good. Of you course. look at things like uh, the ability to control Canada geese preservation of public health and safety in parks. That is for the public good. Being able to use these licenses to control Canada geese, gulls, crows in the proximity to airfields for the public good. Um, being able to control feral pigeons within the built environment, be that in a football stadium, be that outside your local takeaway, be that at the railway station, service for the public good. There is a legitimate reason to undertake that control. Prevention methods are ineffective, so there needs lethal control. And there are people up and down the country delivering this work, and they are the people that the government should be listening to via means of the DEFRA survey that went in, via the means of the BAS submission or the other organisational submissions that went in. Um, not, not someone who lives in, in, in Islington and, and, and has a dietary deficiency in, in that they are vegans. I may not go that far, but... But, but uh, I can because I, I'm not a Basque spokesman. It, it, is, it is about people, the people who've got, <laughs> who have got, um, you know, they've got their pound of flesh in this. They're delivering stuff. They are the people that should be listened to because they're the people who've got the evidence. Yeah, ultimately. Shall, shall we talk momentarily about the BBC? If you'd like. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have something you want to say on the subject, Nick? Well, only that um, many of us who, uh, like I did, started off watching Country File when it first appeared on the BBC many years ago. Um, I'd still continue to watch it because I cannot believe that the BBC, given that it's a public broadcasting service funded by the general public, etc., or by the licence fee, um, can, can actually put out the drivel that they do and portray it uh, as something to do with the countryside that you and I um, uh, and, and, the, and the millions of people who work in it actually understand it as. And I think there's, a, there's another point there is that probably one of the biggest things that is happening in the rural environment or affecting rural communities at the moment is the loss of general licences. Yes. It has not been covered on country files. No, not Amusing, at all. isn't it? I've noticed that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it does that say something about, I mean, you, you pick your own words, institutional, left-wing, liberal, whatever the, whatever the words are that, you, that suit what's happening here. But... The, but the people who have their their hands on the levers of control are not they're not even being open-handed about this they are deliberately excluding the viewpoint of millions of people who actually as you so rightly say get their hands dirty and deal with the environment against the the, the politicized view of a, of a much smaller group of people who actually have nothing to do with it it's just a Is that political a convenience factor do you think Oh, I think it's worse than that. Uh, since you asked me the question, I, I, I think that many, I think the BBC in particular, um, as are some of the newspapers, um, are heavily influenced by, um, by left-wing groups, call it what you will. I mean, I can never understand, as a wildfowler, the, the way in which I engage in if you like the administrative side of shooting and this is the, this is the same all round the, the, the countryside the coast is 
in in a in a way that is socialist in in its in the way that it manifests itself. It's a group of people, none of whom can afford to rent the shooting out of their own pocket. So they all get together to form a cooperative group, almost all of which are democratic in the extreme. They're very open in what they do. So you you and most of them were formed in the nineteen in the nineteen fifties when a lot of other. Um, uh, political institutes of a similar nature came to the fore. That part of shooting, as indeed is the rest of it from a syndicate point of view, is 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 socialist in 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 what it does and the way that it operates, um, and and the fairness of the general system. And yet we have a Labour Party. I grant you that the Labour Party itself may not be openly hostile to shooting, but I wouldn't like to risk the future of shooting under a Labour government, which in itself is so heavily influenced by these... I don't think it's worth risking under a Conservative government at this well, time either. Well, really. there you go. I mean, that's... Getting well off of policy, that's, yeah, which should never get into politics. Uh, no, but it, 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 to, to me, um, I, I've, I've never been a conspiracy theorist before, but as, as time progresses, I, I'm afraid that I do see more uh, hidden hands at work, if only because of the lack of openness and even-handed um, treatment of the shooting community. Probably just worth picking up on uh, the point around, I suppose it's, it's a more um, basic point around those people who are in power of decision makers or those people uh, in you know, opposition to the government um, that may become a, you know, a governing party at some point. Um, and whether, when they're making decisions in relation to shooting and land management, these sorts of things, whether they are well briefed enough. Now, we as an organisation have a political department um, and we are in Westminster and we are engaged really with these people. Um, and that's on a fairly regular basis. Absolutely regular All basis. the time. And they no, listen, the and they listen yes. to you. Yep. Or at least take what you say into account. Absolutely. And we now have, we, we recognise that and I suppose most people do, in terms of what we do, there is a degree of regulation, government regulation, whether that's firearms use, whether that's general licences, whether that's in relation to game shooting, um, or general land management practices, etc. We recognise that, and we recognise that there is a political importance. Now, Basque as an organisation has invested in putting regional political officers in post, and the reason for doing that is to engage MPs within their constituencies, it's to allow us, if they spring a general election at some point, to engage the candidates in the run-up. So we understand where they sit on shooting, or we are so able to give them a more advise position. Both sides, both yep. the voters and... And we can get our members... Potential. By having regional political officers, we can get our members engaged and help our members to engage with their local MP. Now, I know you went to your local MP in relation to general licence issue the other week, and I know scores of people up and down yep. the country have also done that. So this is about a conscious decision to invest in resource which allows us to tackle any of the political threats that there might be currently, looming, whatever it might be, whether they exist in Westminster or actually more locally, more locally, and how we deal with MPs within their constituencies to, in effect, educate them about what it is that we do, provide an understanding, and, and we're not Great. If they come round to a supportive position and they are, you know, we can get them out shooting. Brilliant. Well, be Fantastic. Lovely, yeah. um, is the reality that they're all going to do that? No. But if we can give them an understanding of what we do, 
by taking them out to a playground and showing them the business within their constituency that's earning money, that's getting Taking them to a farm, actually getting taking them out, getting farm, a bit muddy. Showing them what it is, showing them the damage that a wood yep. does. Showing them... Show a flock of 2,000 birds yep. and go, what do you think to that? Getting them down to the foreshore. So it's an education piece. It's making sure they understand what it is we do and how we operate so that when attacks come from the likes of Wild Justice, actually the decision makers who are ultimately there in government can, can go, say, hold on, I've got science in my hand. I've, I've got experience of this. I've got experience. So when we are referenced or framed by Chris Packham as being these awful people, actually the decision makers know that that is not the case because they have had hands-on in constituency with our members seeing whether it's, you know, they could be coming <coughs> to you, to come and visit you to see that you're a local thriving business, um, that have got football coming through, you're providing employment, um, uh, you're attracting people to local area because you know, gun shops now are, are uh, getting fewer and further between and actually you're attracting people in from a further area. So they will see all those benefits. But equally, they'll see the nature conservation benefits if we take them out to a shoot, yeah. we take them to the foreshore. So we've made, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that we've made a conscious decision to invest in that political piece because of some and of the threats that come up. Idea. Right. I don't think a lot of people know about that, actually. That's quite... So, yeah. That's really good. So they that's are due, due to land. Uh, they've been recruited. They are due to land with us very shortly. Um, but we've obviously got an existing political department that are continuing to keep up the pressure around general licences. Um, but, you know, uh, there is other work that needs to be done. This has absolutely been the focus. And you can imagine it has, and yeah. it was, it was the last three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand, of course, that, that, um, that, that, that pigeon shooting exists in a different form than this. But as a as a representative of a wildfowling club, not only have I regularly visited my MPs, haven't had occasion to visit the present incumbent before this, um, but but I make a point of, of of making the acquaintance of my MP, leaving them with my contact details and a suggestion that if there are any issues that fall within a fairly narrow remit of my expertise, they've only got to get in touch and I can organise one of a number of things. I've spoken to, uh, in, in a formal sense, to all of the Natural England uh, um, staff responsible for issuing consents uh, in right across the south of England from a line from the Bristol Channel to the Wash. Subsequent to that, we took out the local head of, of Natural England who oversees uh, that particular group of people uh, on, onto the foreshore. Um, and, uh, and I've been party to taking out um, a, a local MP, not my MP, and one who sadly was not re-elected. But uh, again, just to illustrate the, the, the fact that the, the, the shooting community, and, and in particular the, the more uh, the, the the less well organised, for want of a better description, elements of it, have got lots and lots of things that they can do if if only they are sufficiently marshalled, motivated and pointed in the right direction. We, we've, as a wildfowling club, um, I, I, well put it this way, we're still here. My wildfowling club still exists, um, shooting with, with viable wildfowling less than a mile away from a, from a quarter of a million people. I was going to say in a hub of some serious uh, in, organisation. Exactly, and, and we do that by constantly striving to, to, to manage what we do but more importantly to, to to fight strategically to make sure that as you've so rightly um, identified that the decision makers the people who need to know what's going on do. Are in your corner yes. or at least 
appreciate you. Or, or at the very least, they are not. not they're not against you, and and uh, you might end up with one who is still against you. But at least it, it will be based, I would hope, upon some rational sort of decision, and not simply because I don't like because 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 I know nothing about it, and I'm actually but it's because I've been in, intimidated by this group of vegans screaming and shouting outside my window. Um, it can be done. So what does the future look like um, in, in Basque's view and in your view as well, Nick? Um, I'll outlay a couple of questions uh, or a couple of points. First would be a lot of people have been complaining and obviously there's a lot of blame making and has been over the last month. It's very funny to sort of see it funny, sad actually, more than anything to see um, our shooting society come, come into conflict with each other. Uh, one of the major points on it has been images of dead birds, sharing pictures of what we do. I, and my, we'll start with this one, my stance on this is I see no issue with it. I think sharing what we do and converting people to what we do, as long as we are reasonable and put explanation behind what it is, it's not like I went out and shot 200 birds just for the sake of shooting 200 birds. I went out and protected some crops today, look at all this meat, and I had a great time. Yippee. Obviously, there's a lot of people who will disagree with me on that. What is Basque view? What is your view on that? So, Social media, social media, social media is, is is a difficult one, isn't it? Because um, it has, in effect, globalised many things, and yeah. shooting is no different to that. So, uh, to the uninitiated or uh, somebody who knows nothing about shooting, could go onto Facebook and could find hunting shooting practices from anywhere else in the world, and would immediately say that they were analogous to what is practiced in the UK, or might even think they were practiced in the UK. Um, so it's globalised the whole piece. So there is, I think, the horse has bolted on that one and we are not going to get back to a situation whereby those things which do us no favours in terms of um, images which uh, portray gore or you know whatever it might be, that those who would seek to do damage to the shooting community would take on board and, yeah. and utilise against us. Look, look at all the vegan activists and all the images of poor pigs tethered which has been illegal in this country mm. for some 30 yeah. years and go look how evil British farmers and you go that's probably yeah. in China. Yeah. So th there is there's a, there's a globalisation piece. I mean in terms of uh, my take on it putting your bag of pigeons from your end of your day on absolutely fine it tells a story. Why wouldn't we tell the story of what we do and actually there is an education piece around that but as you rightly point out, it's about making the links to the important things, why you've done it, and actually for something like Wood Pigeon, pointing out that, okay, if there's a hundred birds lay there, there is a hundred birds worth of meat, which is going into the food mm. chain, which is a sustainable, healthy, tasty, actually pretty cheap food source. Um, so it's about outlying, uh, there's a wider story to it. So, you know, a picture paints a thousand words, but actually there needs to be some words that go with it yeah. to explain what it is. Um, I think it's about moderation and, and my advice to anybody posting anything on social media is think about what it is you're trying to achieve by posting that image. So, for example, posting a picture of an exit wound on a fox. Do, do Scientifically fantastic in a closed environment. Yes, but is there a need? Is there a need to put it online and think who might get hold of it and how yeah, they exactly. might utilise it? Um, ultimately, if you were doing that because actually you were looking at how different types of uh, uh, bullets impacted... Shot, shot this with a VMAX, shot this with a Vital Shot Federal, yep. look at the difference. Precisely, yeah. But I think there is a... Um, 
there is a time and a place for that, and I think yeah. it's within a community, so um, or a like-minded community. So, unfortunately, even anyone can get access to anything. It's not even like there is a closed group's not closed, a closed forum's not closed. I think it's, if you want to get in and take pictures, people will come in and take what they need. It's it's about exercising judgment and what you feel is going to be achieved, um, and how that image, text, information. Yeah might be used so, um, you're, so you're not for hiding away which seems to be a lot of people we should have been hidden all this time and but that it gets us nowhere because orders. actually it's it's we are absolutely best defense to the fabric of the great british countryside um so why would we hide that away and how do we share that with the world on a larger thing seeing as the bbc don't want to what would be your opinions on how sh how do we share ourselves with the world how do we get new people to see our point of view so just very, could I just conclude very yeah, yeah, very quickly on the on the last subject? Sorry, I, I agree with what with what both of you are saying. Um, but just to sort of throw this into the mix, as a different age group, I I don't indulge in putting pictures of, of the of the of the bags that I shoot online in any event. There's not a lens because, with a big enough wide. Because no no no, obviously. because they, most of them would be quite pathetically small. It's just that as as a 65 year old I just don't see the point of it it's like you know you get onto some person some people's own you talk to people we don't this is the thing well, well no and that's that, that, that's very true and there's there's a whole issue there but equally one of the things you'll never see but which I've seen on many other people's private Facebook feeds or whatever you call them is a photograph of their dinner <laughs> And, and, and I don't mean because it's, it might happen to be a Canada goose, but, but, you, but you do. You, you will see pictures of a big fried breakfast, you know, because this, this is where I am, this is what I'm doing. I don't care, you know. I know what a breakfast looks like. <laughs> I think you're missing the point. <laughs> it's all well, about social I, interaction on a different scale because, like I said, we don't, no, I, we I, don't talk to each other like we used well, to. Yes, I, 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 think it, I think there is... I, th I think what what that illustrates is that there is a significant sort of generational gap um, in in terms of, of, of what what I against a much younger person would consider consider to, to, to be normal and acceptable behaviour. I don't object to anyone putting pictures of you know, as long as they're lawful on on, uh, on on a Facebook page, but but I'm not going to do it for the reasons that I've that I've just mentioned. I look forward to you not sharing your dinner. Which 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 kind of sorry brings you brings us back to what you said before. How how do we expand the um, the, the 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 base of of the general populace that we have access to? Uh, I mean, in theory, at least, we should have access to it through mainstream media such as the BBC. It would be nice to have a but, fair But the BBC are, are patently abrogating that responsibility. Which, okay, so if they're not going to do it, then you've, you've, we've got to go to plan B. You, you, everybody knows, for instance, that, that other um, visual mediums like YouTube, like this channel and what you've done with that, some of those, some of the, um, some of the past threads are up to 20, 20 odd thousand. I don't know what the, I don't know what the biggest one is, but um, uh, there's a, there's a few on there which have got twenty thousand plus views. Now, I appreciate that they're probably people who are interested in shooting in any event, but in the same way that Basque has got a press department, which includes a, 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 a videographer um, capable, of, capable of producing a televisual quality 
staff, I, I do wonder whether th there is uh, an opportunity there to, to, to use some of those skills to, uh, to, uh, to approach um, the television, which doesn't need to be the BBC, there's loads and loads of other channels with a view to putting on some mainstream mm. stuff on that. Yeah, I, I would agree, and it's, it, it's, it's a case of getting those mainstream channels to put things up, but increasingly, I think this is the point that you were touching on, is that increasingly people are consuming their news, their information, their facts, or yeah. <laughs> mistruths, fake news, whatever it might be, but they're consuming it online. Yeah. So I, I don't watch TV. The, Josh doesn't watch TV. Yeah. The importance of social media, YouTube, um, Instagram, those sorts of things where you can get those key messages out is going to become increasingly important. And I think, again, sort of the strategic piece from BASC, we have a well-equipped press and media team. Um, do you have a YouTube channel? We do. For those, for those people watching at Basque Films. So, but the content on there is predominantly sort of educational stuff. It's, it's sort of educational pieces for our members. There's some safety stuff on there. There's some stuff around uh, trapping and trapping compliance. Um, the wildfowling stuff. There is some wildfowling stuff on there with, with your good <laughs> self, Mr. Horton. Um, so we do, and it's about getting the content and the messages out. Um, and we have a press and media team and some of their focus is absolutely on uh, print media because it's still important and if you look at the stuff that we got out into print media over the general license what a fantastic effort and actually there is a page of the Bass website which kind of shows the work that went on in in terms of print media that's probably and I think you know widely print media consumption is falling um, a lot of them have moved to online which um, yes we're getting content put into there as well we are dealing with the requests for media stuff. Um, so I've got. A Do you have a lot of people contact you? Metro Media. Yeah. Newspapers that kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Depending on what the issue is, uh, you know, sadly it tends to be fairly reactionary. Uh, it tends to be in relation to probably isolated cases of malpractice, sadly. But it's part of our job is about providing balance, um, and absolutely we need to be there to do that. And you know the likes of myself in the regions, directors, regional officers that we have got our media trained so that we can respond to those things yeah. quickly to make sure that we, we access them, so whether that's radio, TV, whatever it might be. Um, but increasingly, uh, the message is moving towards online. It's moving towards social media, and we're geared up on the social media side. We've got, you know, got a great following. We're able to get messages out, and part of the capacity that we're able to do from our main page is on the general license was was really good um undoubtedly there is more that can be done but uh, how much know, effort do you put into um conversion of outside non-shooting people uh, how much outreach do you guys do uh, yeah I think a, preaching to the converted is is great because actually there's as we've discovered over the last four weeks most people hadn't ever read glo4 glo5 glo6 ironically um, and not many people understood what actually was legal before and what wasn't. There's a lot of grey and there's, as you said, a lot of people saying stuff online and in various Facebook posts that was not entirely legal, lawful or true. Um, <laughs> so how, how much effort do you guys actually put into generating new shooters, creating new shooters? 
so there's a whole host of important work that we do engaging people to get in and get involved so pick up a gun gun in shoulder and whether that is you know and initially it will be it'll be target shooting with air rifle it'll be target shooting with um clay pigeons because that's where people start um and then moving on into live quarry shooting should they choose to do that but there is a more important piece in terms of the outreach work that we do and that is about engaging the center ground so we exist probably at one end because we're passionate about what we do there will be those who are against what we do that exist at the other end and there's a whole host of people in the middle that either don't care about what we do or, or frankly don't know about it so they haven't got an ability to make an informed decision about it so we do a whole host of stuff and be that with young people and we've got some great stuff around um uh, let's learn more so that is a multi-agency approach Basque is part of it the Moreland groups are part of it there'll be fire brigade there'll be police um, in terms of, sort of the wildlife crime stuff um, and we get and I think we've got about a thousand kids signed up to go up onto Moreland environments and look at how that Moreland is managed why it is managed what the benefits are what the impacts are of things like people Littering, dropping cigarettes, or setting barbecues, setting fires to the moors, those sorts of things. So it's a real educational piece. It's about engaging them with a message about what we do. So that's one thing that we do. Um, we do a whole host of stuff uh, regionally, either through engaging schools, and one of the big things that we've got at the moment is the Game Changer project, that we would call it. So that's about getting pheasants into schools. Um, do you know what? It's not actually telling them about the shooting piece, other than that is how pheasants are harvested for one of a sort of a better term um food is the easiest converter food is the converter so get it in there and the great thing about that is is that um you know pheasants are going into school kids are being shown how to prepare them properly wow so they get that's like a part of the foresty schools no no this thing or is that just a basque thing food technology wow um so we are working with a another group um and they are engaged with the sort of the curriculum around food and pheasants going so we're providing the pheasants through through um, uh, our Taste the Game initiative, and basically those pheasants are going to school. They're dressed. They're not. They're not plucking the pheasant. But they they come in like you might buy a pheasant from your local butchers or a game. Dealer. Looks like a chicken, but smaller. Precisely, showing them how to do the knife skills, showing them how to butcher it, showing them how to cook something from it. Um, great thing about that is is that it is now on the curriculum. It is now an exam right. question. That's awesome. So it's brilliant. So that's a light touch piece. So it shows them that actually, but that's the way in. Wh- whatever you feel about all the other stuff that goes on, here is a healthy, sustainable food source that's being put on your plate, and now you know how to cook it and how. So, so that when people are going out, you know, and it's all part of the market for for shot game. Um, when they go out, it's not just the kids; it'll be their parents because the kids will say, "Oh yeah, I had that the other week at school. It's brilliant. Really liked it." Um, that's another piece. On a more general piece, um, you know, and I think when we initially went, and uh, we've touched on country file. We went to, a, or we go to Country Fire Live every year. Um, and initially, when sort of I decided that we would go to there because it's a good outreach opportunity, um, you know, we got a certain amount of flack because people were saying, well, you shouldn't be supporting Country Fire Live. But actually, it is a great opportunity to get in front of people that we wouldn't otherwise get in front of. Um, uh, and they having are, conversations with the enemy, as you so nicely call them. No, not the enemy. With they, the opposition. Yes, yeah, not, yeah. not the opposition. Well, not the, 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 the uncommitted. The, un, yeah. the, un, the, the you unformed. speak to the. the opposition do you have conversations with wild justice is that just not something that happens not wild justice but anybody who hates us or, or I, not hates well, us anybody who's anti what we do do we have conversations with people and anti what we do um yes but they 
don't form probably a, a sort of a a meaningful dialogue because those people at the extreme end of they've the already spectrum, decided they've already decided we're not going to be able to convert them so it's almost wasted breath mm-hmm. are there organizations and i'm not going to name any but are there organizations that may have a stance point which is privately against shooting publicly in the middle ambivalent well, yeah. yeah okay we, we know we're not for or against um Yes, we have meaningful conversations with them because there is a there is a centre ground that we can engage. Um, but if we touch on the country for our lives piece, that Sorry. is all about no, no. It's a useful question, but the country for our lives thing is all about engaging those people who have a um, look. They're a country for our lives because it's an entertaining day out, and they have some interest in the countryside. We are fabric integral to the fabric of the countryside, and getting them in there, so we will have a stand which shows them from talking about deer management and we do it in engaging informative and exciting ways so we get the kids in we get the parents in deer management gamekeeping the benefits that provides some of the key things that came out of our um uh report into shooting so the paysec report mm-hmm. that we did um we will then also do game cookery demonstrations we will show them how to cut up a pheasant sort out a pigeon breast but actually um and we're not talking about you know providing them Michelin star dishes. I could cook up at that place 50,000 pheasant goujons and they would go. Yeah. Um, it's about the, you know, pheasant schnitzel, pheasant goujon. Easily accessible. Easily Easy accessible. Easy to do at home. Venison burger. Um, you know, go to your local game dealer, get some diced venison, put it through a mincer because they're pretty cheap even if you haven't got one or put it in a food process you can turn it into a burger it's dead easy put it in it's tasty it's delicious all the rest of it um the other thing that we take to country for our lives is that we have like you guys have got here shooting simulator um and we get people to try shooting ostensibly you know it's gun in shoulder and they're pulling the trigger um and get them to engage with that and enjoy it and actually the the great thing about that is, is that people come in having never tried it before because this is a totally new audience and they go away saying I'd like to have a go at Kalipunji. Where can I go? Um, and we will run events off the back of it saying, so it might be a young shop's day, it might yeah. be a family day or a ladies' day, to say, well, actually, if you can attend this, here's this, and that's a great way to come and get engaged with us. But if you can't get to that for whatever reason, actually, there's a ground there, there's a ground there, there's a ground there. Phone them up. We're all friendly people. Get in for a lesson. Enjoy it. Have fun. Um, uh, you know, and, and in fact, we've, we've had people that have turned up on that and lo and behold they haven't turned up to one of the subsequent events but next year you've then got a kid that's turned up and they've written on the sort of the form of how they heard about it was we attended country file live we saw you there and we you know this is interesting yeah. so we so there's a conversion piece but it's about engaging the center ground because actually when something like general licenses drops and it's in the tabloid media actually they've already got a slant about actually these guys aren't bad people they're doing a good job I understand what it is, the benefits that they provide. You don't have to like it to understand that it is an acceptable action. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And it almost depoliticizes it, yeah. which is what it really it needs yeah. to be done. And unless unless through my rabid slathering you think that I'm uh, that I see everybody as the enemy, I, I don't. I, I see uh, only the people who are. Uh, committed opponents do I see as the enemy the, re- the rest of the general populace I see as potential converts mm-hmm. um, I, I work in a, in a part of my time is spent in an office um, in a moderately politically politically correct uh, environment um, 
and I've I've never hidden what I what, what I do in in. There's no difference playing golf. Exactly, in, in certainly in adequate detail for people to, you know, if they're going to take offence, offence they'll take offence in any event. But I've never actually set, had anybody confront me in any meaningful sort of sense in, in terms of what I do, which which kind of reinforces my thought that there's a great many people out there who, <clears throat> as you've so eloquently described, are just ripe for conversion, or, or at least converting to neutrality. Yes. And, and sorry, because I, I don't know whether we, whether this was what you asked, but the, the thought suddenly crossed my mind about uh, when I am in fighting mode. Um, <laughs> One of the resources that we've got is numbers. The, the our, our opposition, identify whichever group it is, don't have anything like the same numbers as we do. <clears throat> I went to see my MP uh, on the Friday of last week and I was the first and only person, and I know this because I asked her, who had contacted her about this issue. But I know that there are, I mean, 20 or 30 of them who live within her, her, her um, constituency are actually my Wild Fowling Club members. And I know that there are lots of other people who engage in a, in a significantly diverse um, uh, variety of shooting disciplines, so much so that there's probably easily two or maybe 300 people in her constituency who shoot. Mm -hmm. Now, if this is fantasy but it's not as quite as fantastic as it might at first sound what we need to work towards is having the resource that when something like this happens she gets 200 people queued up outside of her surgery with reasoned rational arguments at a political level to, to, to put before her so that she at least has an understanding of what we're talking about what she will have got she, she may have got rent a mob from, um, from from the other side um, because they're because they're much more motivated than us. They, sorry, I need to digress for a moment. One of one of the downsides of what we do is the fact that it's actually quite time consuming. Um, in order to go shooting, that, that's a whole day. If you go pigeon shooting, that's a whole day that you're shooting that you can't be doing something else. A, a lot of our opponents, they don't have a family life because a lot of them, you know, the, 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 the mad cat lady, spinster, who, 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 supply, who gives all her money to whatever the particular charity is, she has nothing to do with her time except to, uh, to, to support her cause. Um, most people who shoot lead what I would call a relatively normal life, you know, however, however you define that, but they have family commitments also which takes up their time. A lot of our opponents are actually quite young people. They don't have kids to look after, they don't have mortgages to pay. Um, you've only got to look at some of the protests in, in London from a, a, an ecologically based group and it's plain to see that many of them don't even have jobs because they can afford to uh, uh, undertake a protest like that for, for, for days on end. So it's, it's, it's really a question of slewing the resource that we have to direct it towards where the areas are that, it need, that we need to make progress. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I, and I do, I do think that as, as this progresses, I think that we'll get more and more people beginning to realise that, you know, d d democracy um, is something that's been hard fought for in the past and it might just be that that 
the shooter of today is actually going to have to involve themselves in the struggle at a, at a personal level. I think that's quite possible in years more, to more so than they, than they have been when they pay their money to Basque, or worst of all, they don't pay money to anybody and then complain when when Basque when they don't know what Basque is doing. It's it's a I mean, and finally, it took me forty minutes to speak to my MP. Five minutes on the phone to make the appointment. 10 or 15 minutes to drive to the surgery, 10 or 15 minutes uh, in engagement with her, during which time I got across my points. Uh, if, if it took an hour of my time, it that was it. Her. And it was no big deal. If thousands of people had done that, would we be here doing this now? Not quite possibly. But quite, well, well, it, no, no, I, nobody knew. No, 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 um, no I, 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 yes. I'm sorry. I'm, well, on I, a more, on I, more I regular basis. I wasn't very specific about that. If, if if our side had been doing that for the last 20 years, would we be here? Do you think it's something that we should have to do? I think it's something that we're gonna, we are going to have to do. I, I, I think everything points in that direction. And, and, and again, you know, just going back momentarily to this trade side of thing, um, all these people, they're, they're, they're very livelihood and jobs depend upon the, the, the continuation of shooting. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a massive, um, you know, it's an entire regiment of artillery, if you like, sitting there doing nothing. All right, so this leads me on to something I don't particularly want to talk about today, but I'm going to anyway. Um, unity within the gun-owning community. Uh, you say there's a lot of shooters. Why should... So, so I've always obviously been of the opinion that we should be united. Uh, because we all own guns and as such we all have a common interest. But actually I think, I'm sort of starting to think that perhaps maybe that's wrong. Perhaps maybe we don't actually, I don't know, should should we stand together? Should somebody who is, and this comes from the shop more than anything, we get a lot of clay shooters who are not viciously anti-game shooting yeah. because they, they understand it potentially, but that why should they stand with us or vice versa, why should a game shooter stand with a clay shooter and so on and so forth? Should that be something that we do? Should we expect sports shooters to stand with us on this? That's... Yeah, a simplified version. Uh, my response to that would be, it would be nice if they would, because we have a, we have a common interest. We are all ultimately firearms owners, um, and we all require somewhere to shoot. We all require something to shoot with, and we all require something to shoot, whether that is target, whether that is live quarry. So, those three things unite us in terms of a common theme. Um, would I expect somebody who is a clay shot to get involved in the, who is only a clay shot, yeah. or is only uh, air rifle target shot or a rifle target Practical shot? shotgunner, someone like that. Yeah, never had any involvement with live quarry shooting. Would I expect them to get involved with the general license? Um, would Pigeon call for evidence? No, because they probably haven't got any evidence to submit because they're not partaking in that. Um, would I expect them to engage and rally around uh, a threat to firearms ownership? Of course. Absolutely. Yes. Um, would I expect them to rally around and engage with a threat to shooting over um, uh, a public land area? Probably whatever that might be. Um, uh, you know, uh, as we saw in Wales, sort of, you know, a banning of uh, on sort of government-owned ground. So, would I expect them not over that? Yes, I would. Just because that might have related to game shooting, it doesn't mean it may not have related to a clay ground or a target ground, whatever it might be. So, would I expect them? I think when there's a common theme, yes. Would it be nice if we all rallied around issues that 
may not be our specific interest, but we're tangential to what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any reason why we wouldn't? No, I, I, I don't think so. And I, I think we've just got to be mindful. And I think there's there was a certain amount of this in the online environment as there have been. Is that sometimes there is a temptation for some groups to uh, not sell other groups down the river, but in terms of uh, relaying a case for them. Yeah, precisely. Um, so I think there, there perhaps needs to be on, on some level a, a more united front. But um, do you know what? I think if we can get 30,000 people to give consideration to a survey and respond to a call for evidence in a week, I That's think pretty good. Going. We're probably doing all right. You are happy with where we're at at the moment. Essentially, uh, am, am I happy with where we? In not terms really, of that thing. Like in terms of that, in terms of that, that thing, that minuscule thing. Well, it's not minuscule, but that that item. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think we are as a community. As a community, we are we are united. And there is a okay. a. Um, That's nice to hear. Yeah. I, I, so, not perhaps going to quite go on the sort of the the the, the battle analogy. Strike your banner up, go on. But we are we are absolutely. Um, you know, we should all be united against a common enemy, and I don't mean that's a physical enemy, but I, you know, we should all be united or, behind a cause. The enemy or spectre of the loss of the loss of an ability to do things that we enjoy, um, that are necessary um, for the purposes of, of pest control, or a right that we have because we are law-abiding citizens and can legally own guns when we go through the process of applying for a certificate. So, yeah, I'm, I'm content with where the community is at on that front. And there's always going to be a degree of infighting, um, you know, and I don't think they touched on the pieces around yeah. organisations getting some flack, but... Um, it's nice to see they've all pulled together, though. Which is all good. pulled together, and absolutely, uh, I, I think a lot of that sort of... Um, Negativity that was fed towards BAS and other organisations was m as much as anything out of frustration. Um, you shout at someone and natural England weren't going to listen. Sorry. Perfect. Uh, have you chaps anything to wrap up with? Any concluders? <clears throat> I think we've covered everything. <laughs> the the only thing that I would wrap up and conclude with is just a piece of advice. Really, is that. Um, if you are somebody that's undertaking control of pest bird species, um, make sure you are au fait with the current general licences. They are not the same as they were before. Make sure you read up and use them. If you need to undertake control for any other purpose, still our advice is apply for an individual licence and get that because that will then allow you to continue control. We don't know at the moment what the outrun of new licences coming out is going to be. We've certainly called for the reinstating of the previous general licences. Um, whether that will happen or not, who knows. We are hoping that either today or at some point this week there will be a response to the call for evidence from DEFRA and we'll have surety of the way forward. But it really is about, yeah, don't listen to Dave down the pub. Don't take necessarily what you read on Facebook as gospel. Consult your organisation be that BASC, NGO, Countryside Alliance, whoever that might be, um, you know, we've got regional officers across the country, we've got our specialist teams at head office, if you have a query, pick up the phone, drop us an email, we will answer it, we'll do our best to answer your query, um, but equally, use the website, read the information, um, 
and keep yourself abreast of what's going on. So there are going to be some changes coming. Um, and the other thing I would say is that once we get to the call for evidence for the planned consultation on general licences, um, I think there's you know a rallying cry for people to get engaged with that as well. Fantastic. One last thing, um, my thing actually that I'd meant to say is everyone's been wanting and been pushing for a pigeon to be put as a game bird. What's your thoughts on that? Um, there shouldn't be any reason why not. However, game birds have seasons and you would still be in a situation whereby for pigeon so you would be precluded from taking action during the breeding season and that's really what general licenses allow us to do is to undertake action against pest bird species including during their breeding it's, season. It's more for the boys who want to go and shoot one for dinner. Should there be an inclusion for that? The ability to go and harvest a pigeon for food? I think I think there is there is an option there um, and would it be any different to harvesting a duck or a pheasant or a partridge? Yeah, no, I don't do it in March. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is there is there a case of doing it for food? Yes, but I think ultimately, if they were added to the quarry list, yeah, like species like pheasant, you would only be allowed to do it between September and end of February, yeah. and you would still require a general license to shoot them in the summer anyway. To shoot them in the summer anyway, so but it would at least cover a portion of society who just want to walk up a hedgerow, pop a pigeon, pop a pheasant, go home. Yeah, but equally, um, that action can and always has been able to be justified, certainly under the... Through general licences. Through the general licences, yeah. because um, you are undertaking an action which is preventing that pigeon. Yeah. And whether you shoot one or two, I mean, God, we've all done it, we've all watched a field of pigeons, um, you know, for two or three days and thought, okay, yeah, you know, try and, try and keep off and try and push them off but you know they're still hammering it and you think right well I'm actually now going to go and yeah. shoot some pigeons um, and you turn up on the day and they have gone off elsewhere yeah. and they're hammering another food source and you might sit there and you might shoot one or two pigeons yeah. so it isn't about the bag it's the purposes which you're doing it for and if you are um, shooting wood pigeons on a game day why is it which not GL31 does not cover you for Unless, unless you the can. landowner specifies that he has gone through all of the previous, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, uh, you know, we, we need to get to the general. And I think opening point is we need to get the generally generally accepted fact and evidence fact that these things are causing damage uh, and they cause damage across a landscape scale. That non-lethal deterrents are not effective at a landscape scale because you're just pushing the problem around, and therefore lethal action is justified and can be undertaken means of a general license and that really is where we need to get back to it would be nice wouldn't it mm. thank you very much guys it's been um a wonderful little chat fantastic i've learned a lot i hope you guys have learned a lot as well more importantly and uh well we're all kind of waiting to see what the outcome of this afternoon's conversations up at westminster Indeed. have to say so, thank you very much thank you thank you